You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. Woo, child, this one, um, it's impromptu. Uh, actually, Friday, I saw, um, it ran across my feed, uh, this particular video, and we're going to go into it, that is the inspiration for this podcast. And so I said, okay, I'm going to Sunday get up and do a podcast around this. And then shout out to Sis Flame. She so happened to send me the exact same video. So I'm like, wow, that's great. Uh, that automatically proves this is uh, a podcast that I needed to go over. Uh, so the title of this podcast is Ancient Incubators and artificial breeding. Okay. So the video that I ran across, uh, I highly recommend you all subscribe to this guy's, um, YouTube channel, Praveen Mohan. He is, um, an Indian man from India and, uh, he has quite a few subscribers. He has over a million subscribers. This is my first time literally running across his stuff. Um, he did say in the past that he was having problems with uh, his stuff getting censored. I can understand why based on his content. Um, a lot of his content lines up what uh, we speak on about ancient technology uh, existing and what we are seeing today is nothing new, that it's really ancient, okay? And he's looking at it from the uh, the standpoint of his homeland in India, okay? So I highly recommend you subscribe to his channel. You're bound to find something that uh, sparks your interest. He literally goes around India and he goes into these ancient temples and these ancient sites and break everything down. Um, I, I'm even seeing videos of him where he's literally going in and also uh, looking at the temples and seeing the ancient technology, the same ancient technology that uh, we're talking about on the series, um, Old Tech Hidden in Plain Sight. So with that said, I do want to start with um, going into a little bit of his video. I highly recommend that you look at the whole thing because he has a lot, a lot of information in there. Um, and then we're just going to go over some of the things that he's talking about in this uh, in this video from an ancient perspective on how they are doing it now. And they're passing it off as new technology in some cases, and in some cases, uh, they're just passing it off as theories. <clears throat> but as the quote, quote, folks that are labeled conspiracy theorists have been saying, that is their plan for the future, okay? All right, so let uh, me use a little bit of technology here and go into <clears throat> sharing this gentleman's 
video. Uh, so this is his YouTube channel, Praveen Mohan. Okay, uh, I think he does excellent work. Um, so check him out. He has a lot, a lot of good videos on here. You are bound to find something that you're interested in. Uh, this particular video, and as you can see, it got over a million views. Evidence of ancient medical technology. Are we a product of gen genetic engineering and DNA manipulation? So those of you that join us <clears throat> live every Thursday on the series, Mama Tara and the Consciousness of Her People, we are literally going into the ancient text, specifically the Sumerian text. And the Sumerian text specifically talk about a genetic creation that was done by, quote, quote, geneticists, geneticist scientists, i.e. the beings that they are calling the Anunnaki, which I'm more inclined to believe, like uh, the one author of Wars of the Anunnaki state, that these folks are just humans that have highly advanced technology and they're able to travel from one dimension to another, okay? But nonetheless, in those Sumerian texts, it talks about those Anunnaki scientists, okay, with uh, Inky being responsible as the head uh, scientist, but um, he, let's say he was the master one, he was over it, but the he had a, a woman scientist who created the first uh, beings on earth, okay? And in those Sumerian texts, we found out that there's actually, there were actually two creations. So instead of it being the typical Adam and Eve that folks typically know from the Bible, there was actually the Adam and Eve, and it was two couples, so two separate creations, Adam and Eve, and then Adopt, Adopta and Titi were the second couple, okay? Now, that's in, that was the genetic engineering, okay? And then in addition to that, the planet already had its own indigenous people um, on the planet in North America, all right? Uh, so actually, before I said there were three separate creations, but if you put the Anunnaki beings who were the, I call them the invaders, the colonizers, so at that time, around 450,000 years ago, well, actually, when they came 450,000 years ago, it was just the Anunnaki and the North American um, indigenous people, okay? And so the Anunnaki set up shop over on what they're calling the Middle East slash African uh, range. And according to the Sumerian text, they started their uh, genetic engineering uh, 300,000 years in, okay, to their arrival, all right? Okay, so uh, check him out. The name of this is Evidence of... Ancient medical technology, are we a product of genetic engineering and DNA manipulation? Okay, so we're just going to go into a little bit of this 
like I said, I highly recommend you check out the entire vid. He does an excellent job on this. Okay, here we go. Oh, why did it jump there? Come on, come on now. I'm not in the mood. Come on, work with me here. Here we go. Technology. Believe it or not, in the ancient temple of Sri Rangam, I found a very strange carving. A woman is holding up her leg to facilitate a man who is implanting something into her womb. Initially, when I was filming this, I thought she was delivering a baby. But look, her belly is completely flat and her face shows no pain or happiness. So she's not delivering. She's not even pregnant. So what is being implanted inside her womb? The answer is found in the ancient text of Mahabharata, which explains the curious case of Krishna's brother. After fertilization, an embryo was taken out of Krishna's mother and then implanted in the uterus of a surrogate mother. Today, now let me pause. Uh, some of you, um, I, I just uh, have the fortune of uh, working with a lot of people from the Indian culture uh, because of my profession. Um, and so I, I'm familiar with the their mythology, Krishna, and all of that. And when you line up Krishna's story, it lines up to the story of Christ. Okay? So this whole idea of having a um, miraculous birth without um, her having intercourse. Okay? So I just wanted to throw that out there. So... Krishna, Christ. All right, I'll shut up and get back to the vid. <laughs> hey, this process of inserting an embryo in a different womb is specifically called gestational surrogacy. Until the last century, this would have sounded like magic. But with our technological advances, we cannot help but wonder, did ancient people use a similar technology? How else can we find such a carving with precise details and the matching description in an ancient text? Compared to his brother, Krishna's birth was only moderately complicated. His mother did not deliver him naturally, so they had to do a cesarean or a C-section surgery. The ancient text describes this surgical procedure as Shalya Prayoga, and the mother's belly was slit open to bring Krishna into the world. Even today, in Krishna's birth town, his birthday is celebrated in a very unique way. They will make thin cuts in a cucumber and show baby Krishna coming out to remember how he came into the world. While modern experts claim Krishna as a fictional mythological figure, many Hindus believe Krishna existed just like Buddha. Even outside India, for example in Cambodia, Krishna's mother is still revered as the godmother in Cambodia. You can find lots of thousand-year-old carvings, but carvings of her may be a little too accurate. Can you see the problem here? Yes, those three lines at the bottom of the belly 
identical to the marks created by a modern C-section. Some of you may think uh, these are stretch marks caused by pregnancy, but stretch marks are vertical, not horizontal, and you should find them all over the belly. However, C-section marks are horizontal, and these marks are shown only on the lower abdomen. Clear. Okay, so just I just wanted to take this like quick couple seconds just to give a just much respect shout out to women to mothers you literally risk your life we as women we risk our lives bringing forth souls physical beings into this realm okay that's just normal childbirth okay so in this case it, Literally, men, I know y'all don't like to see it. Look at it. This is what women go through to bring life into the world. They deserve to be respected. We deserve to be respected. Without women, what type of world would you have? So, Again, just shout out to all of the mothers. Um, just much respect. Uh, that's all I had to say. I just wanted to point that out because I don't think that women and mothers get enough respect that they should. Just the pure toll on their bodies of bringing a life into this world, all right? So let me continue. I know that's not the purpose of this video, all right? Here we go. Clearly portraying C-section delivery. How did sculptors know how to portray Krishna's mother with these marks if they had no knowledge of C-section? In fact, this mark is shown in many carvings of devatas or godmothers around many Hindu temples. This means in ancient times, C-section surgeries must have been as common as today. Okay, so we have seen ultrasound, mammogram, embryo transfer, and C-section. I know you're dying to know if they had test tube babies back then. If you're not familiar with test tubes, today an embryo is made outside the womb in a test tube or a container. This process is called in vitro fertilization or IVF. And yes, in ancient Indian texts, there are plenty of examples of test tube babies. For example, the popular ancient Saint Augustia was a test tube baby. He was fertilized and completely grown in a container called cum or kumba. Okay, so now it's getting, although what he just went over with the C-section way back then in ancient times. Now he's talking about the test tube babies, okay? And so he's going to go over just uh, quick with this example um, of this particular ancient uh, gentleman in Indian mythology who was grown as a test tube baby. Now, if we go to the Sumerian text, 
It talked about the various experiments and how they were gene slicing and they were taking uh, genes from here, taking them from there. And so uh, the panel, we were discussing it and uh, Sandra and I immediately said, oh, you know what? <clears throat> they did artificial insemination. Okay. All right. But this is going even a step further because he's going to get into, and I'm not going to play the whole video because I'm going, going to go into uh, what they're doing today, but actually them creating artificial wombs, okay? Okay, because in vitro, remember, they fertilize the egg and the sperm outside <clears throat> of the body in a test tube, okay? So that's when you hear folks say such and so was a test tube baby as a joke. And they say that as a joke, so meaning because that process happened outside of the body, it happened in a test tube or a lab, that something is going to be off with that particular child. <clears throat> but as the... Um, uh, fertili fertilization process happens. I'm not sure which stage they uh, put the fertilized egg back into the woman's body. I don't know which part of the gestation period they do that. And then it goes back into it, uh, the woman's body or womb, which hence is the term um in vitro fertilization. Okay, so let's see what he has to say about this particular being, and then we're going to get into uh, some more specifics. But of course, you may think these are just modern interpretations, but there are ancient carvings showing baby Agastya being born out of a container. If you are watching this video between 2021 and 2035, you may think this is quite dramatic. You may think it's not possible to have a fully developed baby coming out of an artificial container. But if you're watching this video in the future, if you're watching this after 2035, you will have no problem with this because we would have already progressed to this level of technology. Okay, so I'm going to stop there, but I highly recommend you you uh, check this guy out, Praveen Mohan, and uh, go back to the beginning of this video because he had other technology in here. Uh, he had um, the uh, being able to detect breast cancer back up in the day. He had a bunch of stuff just within the little 15 minutes. Um, prior to when we tapped in in the 10 minute time frame. Okay, check out the entire video. He did an excellent job. Uh, even the rest of the things on his channel, uh, just real quick, this is called, this video is evidence of ancient medical technology. Are we a product of genetic engineering and DNA manipulation? This is Praveen Mohan. Okay, so let's uh, just wanna real quick show you all. Yeah, I immediately subscribed to him. Um, just to give you some idea of the other stuff on his channel. Um, and, and he's probably going to wind up being in the series. Um, 
old world tech hidden in plain sight. He does an excellent, excellent job. Um, as you can see, uh, he's talking about the old world pyramids, um, giant temples. Um, he gets into also kind of the technology. Yeah. Ancient machine found. So yeah, check this gentleman out. Uh, I think it's definitely worth subscribing to him. Uh, he got some cool stuff on here. Pretty cool. And I, I'm just so surprised. This is my first time running across him based on the amount of research I do and, uh, just the stuff that I put out as well. So, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Praveen. Very, very, very good stuff. All right, family. So let's get into the concept of artificial wounds. Okay. So now before we even get to that, we can talk about real quick. No, we've seen this in the uh, mud flood community when they were talking about, um, at one of the world fairs, they were talking about baby incubators and how they were displaying the baby incubators at the world fair. And some were saying that they believe that uh, these were where the orphan children were coming from, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So I'm not going to go into this article. I just want to just show you how um, it's not like any of this stuff is really new. Now, in the case of the whole World Fairs from Boardwalk um, Incubator Babies, that was really, according to them, you know, now according to their <sighs> official narrative, it wasn't about growing the babies in an artificial environment as it was about these babies being born early or pre preemies, preemies and how the incubators save their lives. Okay. Right. But I did want to just bring that into play. Um, just in this article, um, they're claiming that, uh, Pierre Boudin, a French physician who wondered why more hospitals weren't investing in incubators, though he began conducting successful research with the technology in 1888. He ran into continual roadblocks when it came to getting support for incubators. So in 1896, he decided to display incubators at the Berlin's World Fair. Okay. All right. So let's see if we go there. They go. Yeah. All right. So child, you see what I'm talking about? They, they keep me having um uh, podcast material <laughs> on a regular net on a regular. Y'all see the little robot. So don't be surprised if blood makes it <laughs> into the next, um, old world tech hitting in plain sight. Don't be surprised if blood makes it in, in one of those episodes. But anyhow, uh, just to show you the incubator. So according to them, it was about um, bringing an awareness to these incubator machines to save uh, prematurely born babies. Okay. 
But as you could see from uh, Praveen's research, that this isn't even new. None of this stuff is new because there's evidence that they were also growing not only uh, of artificial insemination, so meaning conception happening outside of uh, intercourse between a man and a woman, it happening in a test tube, and then that being inserted into a woman, which we today call artificial insemination, <clears throat> and then uh, women being able to have C-sections. This is back in ancient times, okay? This is what they're showing in those temples in India in uh, carvings. But also he shows um, on those carvings, and I'll, I'll go back to that as well, how there is evidence that they were totally growing beings inside of an artificial womb, and they were also doing uh, genetic engineering or genetic manipulation. Okay, so let's just real quick, let's go over the artificial womb. Okay, um, an artificial uterus or artificial womb is a device that would allow for extracorporeal pregnancy by growing a fetus outside the body of an organism that would normally carry fetus to term. An artificial uterus as a replacement organ <clears throat> would have many applications. It could be used to assist male or female couples in the development of a fetus. This can potentially be performed as a switch from a natural uterus to an artificial uterus. Yeah. Thereby, sorry, moving the threshold of fetal viability to a much earlier stage of pregnancy. <clears throat> Says y'all peep what they saying. <clears throat> In this sense, it can be regarded as a neonatal incubator. Mm -hmm. So y'all should be familiar with this one. Okay. With very extended functions. It could also be used for the initiation of fetal development. An artificial uterus could also help make fetal surgery procedures at an early stage an option instead of having to, to postpone them until term of pregnancy. Now, that's interesting. So, in other words, if they find a defect or whatever that can be corrected, <clears throat> they're uh, proposing to have the... the uh, the baby or the fetal in the artificial womb to perform the surgery. That is really, really interesting. In 2016, scientists published two studies regarding human embryos developing for 13 days within a ectouterine environment. Currently, a 14-day rule prevents human embryos from being kept in artificial wombs longer than 14 days. Now, that's interesting. I didn't even know that. First of all, who knew that they were uh, putting 
embryos in artificial wombs. I didn't know that. I, you know, used deductive reason that they, they were experimenting. They were telling us, <clears throat> excuse me, they were experimenting with animals, but okay. This rule has been codified into law in 12 countries. So, child, that means they done did it and they about to roll it out. And I'm sure that's going to be uh, this little 14-day situation. That's going to be changed. In 2017, fetal researchers at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia published a study showing they had grown premature lamb fetuses for four weeks in an extra uterine life support system. Y'all should be familiar with that. An artificial uterus, sometimes referred to as an exo-womb, would have to provide nutrients and oxygen to nurture a fetus as well as dispose of waste material. The scope of an artificial uterus or artificial uterus system to emphasize a broader scope may also include the interface serving the function otherwise provided by the placenta, an amniotic tank functioning as the amniotic sac, as well as the umbilical cord. All right, so let's look at this artificial womb. Um, uh, I'm going to have to look. Uh, I'm just got to be a patent family. It's got to be a patent. No way around it. We've Now we're getting to the point we've looked at, we're looked at enough patents that we can tell. Okay, so um, maybe I'll do a follow-up. I'll have to see and, and based on what's in this patent. Y'all see the date, 1955. Yeah, this is a patent. Because they filed it in 1954. Artificial uterus. Okay. So you see the contraption that they talking about. Not talking about. That they um, mapped out here. Child, you see this. uh, Blood pumping. So a system to pump the blood. Okay, so that looks like the umbilical cord. It looks like there's, you see, this looks like an artificial placenta to me right there. Okay. Right, so this is the tank. You see the embryo. Okay, so this is the tank with the simulated amniotic fluid. Okay, so you see uh, where they have a a system to pump and circulate the blood. So they even have the artificial kidneys, um, I'm assuming, to help pump out waste. Okay, this is deep, y'all. Water storage, water pump uh, for the kidneys. Wow, y'all, this is really, really deep. Uh, See over here on 59, uh, they have liquid food. Chow, clutch pearls, baby, clutch pearls. 
So in other words, because you know, whatever, uh, when a woman is carrying a child, when mothers are carrying their babies and they're eating, you know the term eating for two. Okay, so that's what's simulating this. Child. So you see the water heater up in here to keep it, uh, this environment hospitable. So not only, of course, the um, environment, the amniotic fluid with the baby in it, but also the the system, okay? Because you can't have a um, the temperature off and stuff with the um, simulated amniotic fluid going into there and et cetera, et cetera. Wow, yeah. So they got the water heater and then a thermostat that uh, monitors the temperature inside. Child, I'm done. You understand me? This was back in 1954, family. Back in 1954. <sighs> All right. So that source was Wikipedia. Um, child. Just real quick, another article. Um, this was from Flow, flow.health, artificial womb for humans, a step forward in survival for premature babies. Imagine a baby that needs to be delivered prematurely, but instead of worrying about the age of viability, care providers can quickly place the baby in an artificial womb, potentially saving the life of a child who would otherwise have not lived. Okay, so this is different than the incubators, okay? Because we know today when babies are born prematurely, uh, they are placed in the incubators. And remember, the incubators were first revealed to the world on a wide scale and at the World Fair, okay? But <clears throat> they were saying that as early as 1888 in France, they were using the incubator technology, okay, for the purpose of saving premature babies, but in 1896, uh, this French physician, Pierre Boudon, brought it to the World Fair for the purpose, the World Fair in Berlin, for the purpose of getting awareness to the public to get support for the hospitals to spend money on these incubators, all right? And what we are saying is this technology goes back further than what they are even seeing. It goes back further than the 1800s, okay? This is ancient technology, right? And just another side note, I find it highly interesting that every time we're talking about new technology that came to, quote, quote, the forefront, why is it always in the 1800s? Why is it always in the late 1800s? It's kind of lining up with what the mud flood community is talking about, that something happened in the 1800s, <clears throat> i.e. 
a reset. So in other words, this technology and stuff already existed. Some type of world catastrophe happened, i.e. reset. And the technology was um, hidden away from the populace. And it appears that it slowly started to be reintroduced in the late 1800s. All right. So artificial wounds. So in this concept, they're talking about instead of using the incubators, they're talking about using an artificial womb. What is an artificial womb? An artificial womb also refers to as a bio bag is a device that allows for a baby's gestation to occur outside the human body. In the general public, an artificial womb is often regarded as an extraordinary neonatal incubator. However, most scientists or care providers would argue that an incubator and an artificial womb serves very different functions. And I'm, yeah, of course, yep, come on, let's see what y'all saying about it, though. How does an artificial womb work? Uh, an artificial womb is intended to facilitate the process of ectogenesis. Find that absolutely interesting that they're using that uh, because if you look in the Sumerian text, uh, they called um, Inky's top scientist, uh, I should know her, name. I, I Dang it. I, I always knew her name, but now that I'm learning the other's name, it's not on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, she was referred to as a geneticist. All right. But anyway, which is the development of a fetus in an artificial environment following transfer from a maternal womb. The bio bag is a sealed bag that has umbilical cord access and an oxygenator circuit. Much like a maternal womb, the bag the bag is and stays completely sealed to minimize the risk of uh, exposure or infection. So let me just go back. And I know y'all done seen this. Ciao. Okay. Right? So for those of you listening on the podcast, I am showing um, this first artificial lamb that was created all right and uh the artificial lamb is in the in the bag okay and it grew to full term in the bag fur and all of that okay and even in this figure um it's it's calling it as a a, a bio bag used to grow lamb fetuses Okay. All right. Okay. So let's go back. Inside of the bag, amniotic fluid with all the necessary nutrients and water is constantly exchanged. A cannula acts as an umbilical cord would in the material fetal system carrying nutrients and oxygen to the baby. Successful oxygenation of the baby is dependent on the heart and an oxygenator working together, which is supposed to mimic normal maternal placental blood flow. 
All right, so we can go back to that real quick. And it's showing you, uh, now this is the update version because we showed you the patent that was filed in 1954. That system was a lot more complicated, uh, but you know how that goes. As time progressed, technology changes, it gets less complex, okay, and should be able to do more things. All right, so this is what they're explaining right here, the uh, amniotic fluid and Okay, coming in the bag. Okay, so here's that um, oxygenator they were talking about. Okay. All right. So let's go back. Artificial uterus for humans. Hmm. So you all use your imagination. When they're talking about artificial uterus for humans. <clears throat> In 2017, the world learned about a highly successful biobag artificial womb prototype experiment performed with lamb fetuses by researchers in Philadelphia. After four weeks inside of the biobag, each lamb emerged healthy and without common complications associated with prematurity, lung development, circulation, and infection. The lambs were developmentally equivalent to a 24-week human preterm infant when they were placed in the bio bags. The success of this project points towards a very promising future for human fetuses and life after the age of viability. Now, what they tell... Uh, um, 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 blink 75 times. What are you talking about? Life after the age of viability. So y'all trying to use this for something else? Child. Clutch pearls, clutch pearls. Artificial wounds for humans. Should we reach, reach the point where humans can actively engage with and choose to utilize artificial wounds there are a variety of legal and moral concerns that will have to be addressed. One is something called the 14-day rule. Okay, and so we saw that in the Wikipedia article, which is a law in 12 countries that states that all research on human embryos must be limited to a maximum period of 14 days. This law was created in 1979 in response to the birth of the world's first successful invert, 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 uh, y'all know what I'm, artificially insemination, fertilization baby. Or uh, in other words, the test tube baby. The 14-day rule has both scientific and moral implications. It was created with knowledge of what humans were capable of achieving at the time. Now, I'm side-eyeing that, of course, uh, because, <clears throat> of course, based on what uh, Praveen showed us, what's on those ancient temples, and I'm going to go into and just show you some examples that he's going to also pull in his video 
of uh, simulated artificial wounds shown on the walls of those temples, but also just with the patent. Just with the patent in 1954 for an artificial wound. All right. Okay, so, however, the advances of gestational and embryonic science today, including work relating to artificial wounds, make the rules seem practically obsolete. See, I told y'all when I read that up in uh, Wikipedia. So they going to get rid of that 14-day situation. I didn't know why they had the 14-day situation, but it makes sense if they're saying it was because of the test tube uh, creation. Okay? But again, let's be clear. They did not just come up with artificial wombs. Okay? It was patented recently in 19. 54, but it goes back to old world technology. As a result, some people are pushing for an uh, extension of the legal limit of embryo research, while those who attach significant moral implication to these decisions as they relate to personhoods are pushing back. Artificial womb advantages. Oh, that baby's so cute. Just a little kissable cheeks. <laughs> Though one cannot disregard the moral and ethical implications of the advancement of artificial womb technology and development, one also cannot deny the assumed purely scientific advantages. Artificial wounds are often discussed in related relation to prematurity, but they could have additional application. Assistance in fetal development. This is related to premature birth. Should a couple find that their child needs to be delivered early, an artificial womb could be used to ensure complete development. This possibility could significantly affect the age of viability, which is currently around 24 weeks. Okay, so that's what they mean by age of viability. Okay, because I know what the heck they was thought they was trying to put grown MFs in there and <laughs> who maybe has something medically wrong with them. I don't put it past them, doggone it. But anyhow, initiation of fetal development. For someone who doesn't have a functioning womb or has been diagnosed with infertility, growing a baby in an artificial womb could potentially offer the chance for full gestation of a child. So that's what I thought of immediately when I think about artificial wombs. Uh, It's just basically having children via um, test tubes, literally. So I don't know if y'all remember back in the early 2000s, they were talking about the concept of designer babies. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. So in other words, fertilize the egg and the sperm in the test tube and insert it into the artificial womb once it gets to a certain gestation period and keep it pushing and and carry that baby, that embryo, to a full-term baby. Okay? 
Now, I'm going to go back to the past, according to the Sumerian text, when they were doing um, genetic manipulation. That's essentially what they were doing, family. But they took it even a step further and they were doing a lot of other experiments. So we don't even know what they were mixing to create the first, quote, quote, humans, the uh, Adam and Eve, and Adopta and Titi. Did they take eggs from the indigenous women in North America? Well, maybe in some of their experiments, but it was said that uh, in those Sumerian texts that they used the Anunnaki women, uh, Inky's old lady, I forget her name, Inky's old lady used her egg. I can't, I can't remember if they used it for both. Um, couples. I don't think they did, but there were other things that they were mixing those first couples with. Okay. All right. Fetal surgery implications at that time, some fetal surgeries cannot be performed until after term delivery. In medically necessary cases, an artificial womb may offer the chance for both successful surgery and term gestation. Okay, so yeah, that one kind of threw me that if, you know, um, it's determined that the baby would need surgery, that they would do, they would move the baby or the embryo, I don't know at what stage because they ain't saying it, they're just saying fetal, uh, into this artificial womb. And from there, they can do the surgery, okay? Which, if you're going to take it that far, wouldn't you just leave the fetal in the womb? Because you can't put them back into the mama body because you didn't tore up the womb to move the baby out. So I'm not sure what they're talking about with this one. At present, the standard age of viability, which is the age at which a fetus can survive outside of the womb, hoovers around 24 weeks. Okay, because I was wondering what they meant by age of viability. All right. Presently, infants born before 22 weeks have no chance of survival. Preterm babies born on the cusp of viability often develop severe complications that results in disability or death. Of the infants born after 26 weeks, 50% have strong, uh, have severe long-term impairments and disability. Okay. The ethical considerations of sustaining life inside of an incubator, which is current practice, also cannot be ignored. Treatment at these ages often still leads to death prolonging the newborn's physical suffering and the emotional distress of parents. 
This suffering by all parties must be considered when making decisions surrounding gestations, intervention, and medically appropriate care. Okay, so they they just uh, read, they must have read my mind because all I was thinking about, okay, so I know how the medical system work now. Who going to be able to afford all of this now? Artificial womb costs. It's difficult to calculate exact artificial womb costs. Should growing a baby in an artificial womb be legislatively approved for use with humans, it's highly likely that it would be decades, if ever, before they're approved for use unrelated to preterm birth and survival. Currently, prematurity costs in the U.S. exceed $40 million annually. Researchers anticipate that artificial wounds could significantly reduce this amount. Okay, so you see what angle they are ushering in creating life outside of um, a mother's womb, okay? Because that's ultimately where it's going, okay? Although that's my opinion, I believe that's where it's going. And again, it's not like this is anything new. This is just technology that they are releasing or re-releasing to the public. The takeaway, artificial wounds could significantly after the reproductive landscape, like any scientific advancement, decisions related to both the development and potential use of artificial wounds cannot disregard the appropriate moral, ethical, social, and cultural implications and considerations. The idea of prolonging, ensuring, and saving lives is an attractive one, but both scientists and legislators need to ask, what's the cost? Okay, so again, that's uh, from a uh, website called flow.health.com. Okay, so I'm going to, real quick, I'm going to uh, pull from uh, Mr. Praveen's video. want to show you how when he went in those ancient temples, him showing artificial womb devices from thousands of years ago. So just a second. Okay, so uh, let's uh, once again check this gentleman out. He has excellent work. Praveen Mohan, I uh, highly recommend you subscribing to his channel. This isn't one of his, um, he has more great videos than this. Um, but this particular video is evidence of ancient medical technology. Are we a product of genetic engineering and DNA manipulation? So I just wanted to show you in his video how he thinks that he's found in an Indian temple um, an artificial womb. So let's take a look real quick. And I highly encourage you go through this entire video. It is worth the hour because he has so much packed in here that you can literally split up this video and make multiple uh, shows out of it going into a lot of detail. So he did an excellent, excellent job. Uh, thank you. It, it's much appreciated. So let's see what he says about um, artificial wombs being carved on these ancient Indian temp temples. Developed babies. But how did that come? The ancient artificial womb really look. 
in almost every ancient temple, inside the main chamber or the womb chamber, there will be strange carvings called comb. This structure is usually carved secretly in deep, dark places of the main chamber. So the lighting is never good when I film that. I examined this one from the ancient temple at Hampi. The comb or kumbum does not look like a regular container, but a very, very complex, sophisticated device. The bottom has a large oval chamber to hold the growing fetus. It has two handles or knobs attached to it on the left and right, perhaps for opening it if needed. It seems to be having two large tube-like structures attached on either side. And on the top, there is a cylinder attached. I shot this one in a different temple. Again, look at this kum. Remarkably similar to the one we saw before. Why are these strange structures carved in deep, dark parts of temples? What's more interesting is that the entire structure has a long cylinder attached on top, which seems to have a type of ventilation mechanism at the very top to supply oxygen. Modern scientists confirm that these are the essential parts needed for an artificial womb. It needs an outer shell with a chamber to implant and protect the growing embryo an artificial placenta to put the nutrients and oxygen in, and a way to transfer carbon dioxide and waste products out. Do you know scientists are building a tiny... Okay, so we went over that. So that was really, really fascinating with him going uh, to those temples and seeing the same thing. So again, this is Praveen Mohan. This video is evidence of... Ancient medical technology, are we a product of genetic engineering and DNA manipulation? He did an excellent, excellent job. So thank you so much, uh, Mr. Praveen. <clears throat> Great work. All right, so the last thing I wanted to go over with the family, <clears throat> he also talked about it in this video, <clears throat> but it goes back to what I was talking about regarding how... Um, Genetic engineering occurred via, that's what it was written down in the oldest tech, with text on the planet, which is that Sumerian text, okay? So meaning the chief Anunnaki scientist, uh, a woman, was, um, I think it's Ningrashida, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that. <clears throat> Uh, created through genetics slash DNA the first couples on the planet. And notice I said couples, plural. All right. So this concept is really interesting as well. This is from uh, Nancy Godartrius. What happens when two sperms fertilize one egg? Child, now you got to remember, hope folks know, I hope grown folks know how babies 
are made and, and not just through the actual act, but actually the biology behind it. Okay. And as it's concerning twins, don't they say that it's only one sperm? Mm. So it's either one sperm, two eggs, chow. Anyway, so supposedly it's the one sperm concept. Child, let's get into this. What happens when two sperms fertilize one egg? A few years ago, Michael Gabbett got a call from a very confused OBGYN. A woman had come in pregnant with twins who should have been identical. They shared a placenta, meaning they must have split from a single fertilized egg. But doctors could also see as plain as day on the ultrasound that one looked like a boy and the other a girl. Child. How could the twins be identical but different sexes? My initial reaction was, I think your ultrasound is wrong, says Gabbett. A clinical geneticist at Queensland University of Technology in Australia. They didn't take too kindly to that. So he began to dig. Gabbett eventually found a report on sequenzygotic twins, not identical, but not fraternal either. Child. They're somewhere in between. Biologists had first proposed their existence in 1984, but it wasn't until 2007 that doctors documented the first case of, I guess it's psychosgotic twins. These twins in Australia are the second known case. Okay. I'm going to say... Um, identical twins, boy and girl identical twins, are likely the result of three separate events in the womb, each one rare by itself. First, an egg was fertilized by two sperms, one with an X chromosome and one with the Y. The, uh, the, the usual result is a fetus with three sets of chromosomes rather than the normal two. These, fetus, these fetuses do not survive. In this case, however, a second unusual thing probably occurred. It seemed that the three sets of chromosome, egg, X sperm and Y sperm. And child, I'm scratching as I'm talking about this. <laughs> were able to sort themselves into three types of cells. Two of these cells were more typical. They each contained one chromosome. Set from mom, the X, through the egg. And one from dad, the X or the Y from the sperm, okay? 
The third type only had chromosomes from dad. <laughs> one from the X sperm and one from the Y sperm. Child. Mm, mm, mm. Clutch pearls, clutch pearls. Child, what kind of alien mess is that? Although, you really want to go real deep just on the whole process of the chromosome stuff. It's kind of alien itself, all right? I'm not going to go there right now. I, Once we get there, still trying to get men over the shock <laughs> of that Y chromosome. <laughs> Being foreign, still trying to get them a chance to settle down and put their wigs back in order. But we're going to get there. All right. This last type of cell cannot grow normally. So in other words, the man, the sperm, bringing in both the X and the Y. But the two more typical cell types continue to divide and divide as a single ball. Lastly, this ball of cells split to create two embryos. One grew in the womb to look like an ordinary girl and the other like an ordinary boy. <clears throat> Genetically, however, the twins were not so ordinary. The ball of cells had not split neatly into an XX and an XY embryo. The twins are actually chimeras, meaning they both have a mix of XX and XY cells in their bodies, but in different proportions. The one who looks like a boy, child, let me take a sip of this water. Child, I just can't. Child, 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 child. Get it together, Rhonda. The one who looks like a boy has a XX semicolon XY mix of, this is the ratio, of 47 to 53. The girl has a mix of 90 to 10. In the 2007 case, one of the twins actually had ambiguous genitalia, which is what first tipped doctors to something previously unknown about twins. Okay, so in other words, they couldn't tell if the gen genitalia was male or female. Okay, although y'all should know by now that all um, embryos start at uh, women. So men means your penis is an elongated clitoris and um, your testes drop, right? So in this particular case, they could not tell the sex of that particular baby 
Okay, so which they, oh, okay, they couldn't make a, a difference. Uh, one of the twins. Okay, so out of one of the twins, they couldn't tell. Gabbitt and his colleague wonder rather more uh, cis Gaitek twins were out there, mistakenly classified as fraternal twins. Mm. Yeah, because I was wondering the same thing, because y'all know the fraternal twins are one girl, one boy. That has always, like, I actually went to high school with a boy and a girl twin. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Unless their DNA has been analyzed, the genetic subtleties are easy to miss. The team decided to analyze the DNA of 968 pairs of presumed fraternal twins and their parents, but they found no evidence of I'm tired of pronouncing that word, y'all. The, the the twins with the pappy uh, providing the, both the X and the Y. It is indeed very rare, as the proposed biological mechan uh, mechanism would suggest. You've got these three very unusual things happening. Gabbitt reiterates, that's why it's so extraordinary. Okay, so let's just look at this chart, see if I can blow this up. Yeah, I can blow it up so y'all can see it. Oh, come on now. Don't start with me thing. All right, so let's see. So, all right, this is the father, the mom. So, what are they saying? Child, I'm scratching, looking looking at this two sperm and one egg situation. Chow, 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 clutch pearls. Right, so y'all see the, uh, the egg. So, they saying from the one father, two sperms. All right, so let's go to the zygote. Child. All right, so that's the um the two sperms again. Okay, so that's the mom stuff. All right, so then when we get down to here, what are they saying now? Child. Okay, all right. So what are they saying once you get down there? Sales of biparental lineage. This is a hot mess, though. Okay, so are they saying all, all of that's mixed together? So meaning the one sperm, the two sperm, and the mama, that's this one. So what is this one saying? This one saying the mama and this one set of sperm. Oh, hell no. So down here, they're saying just the papa. Yeah, that's exactly what they're saying. Just the papa. Child. So that's the androgynous. Mm, girl, child, honey. Let me sip this. That's androgynous then down here then. So let's go. When it starts to break up even more. So the androgenetic lineage out 
competed by sales of by parental lineage. Child, you know what? Damn, 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 damn. This means they know how to create androgynous beings. Now, that's just me with the tinfoil hat on. This tells me they know how to make androgynous beings. Right here. And they can take that in the Petri dish. Either let those two grow separately and grow this one into an androgynous being. Ciao. All right. So then they just uh, go into the other, um, all the way up into the point of the embryos have grown at this point twin one twin two but one of those twins is gonna have this androgynous <sighs> genetic material child i'm done you understand i'm done done And what I'm saying is they can potentially just take the androgynous cell period and create androgynous beings. Via uh, just a male chromosome. Or via the, the yeah, the, the um, genetic makeup of men, so XY. Ciao. Woo, honey. All right, let's go. Go on. I think we almost done. That's deep. Sorry to throw that up in there, family, but it, it just hit me. Yeah, they know how to make and androgynous beings now. Ciao. I'm going to have to think on this a little more. So much, so much stuff is running through my head. We're going to have to come back to this. Oh, child. Okay. Um. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, we talked about this. The whole process of fertilization is based on the extraordinary molecule dialogue. He wrote in an email. So many things can go awry. A missing chromosome there, an extra set here, and most of those fetuses are not viable. Some are born... With chromosome abnormalities such as Down syndrome, and some, it appears, can be the result of two sperms fertilizing one egg, and you would never know it from looking at the result, the resulting children. Life will find a way, even while deviating far from the standard formula of one egg plus one sperm equal one baby. Wow, yeah, this this is deep. So this is from um, Nancy, I'm just going to spell it out, Nancy, uh, G isn't good, D-U-A-R-T-E-U-S. What happens when two sperms fertilize one egg? Uh, you did a great job with this article. I don't know if you realize the doors 
that you have opened up to really show what they are doing. In my opinion, um, they, they know how to make androgynous beings already. <sighs> and this kind of proves in those um, ancient texts about genetic slicing and genetic engineering. And when you see some of the, um, the ancient drawings and the ancient carvings of uh, misshapen humans, humans mixed with animals, humans with extra limbs, uh, animals with wings on their back and all of that, they were already doing that way back when, ancient technology, okay? Now they're starting to reveal to the public what they are able to do, okay? So just based on this simple article, now this author is not saying that. I'm just saying that from my tinfoil hat perspective that this is what they are doing. They are genetic engineering, behind the scenes. So creating an androgynous beings and probably just creating total new species. Total new species. Okay. So real quick, I'm just going to see if I could, um, I think our guy, Praveen, also showed um, on those ancient carvings, the sperm and the egg and with the two sperms. So let me pull that for you all and then we're going to wrap this up. So just a second. All right. So um, I don't know why I can't find it. I could have sworn he went over it in this video. Uh, maybe I saw it somewhere else with the two carvings of the two sperm and the one egg. Uh, but ju I'll just show you real quick on uh, carvings that are thousands of years old. I would even go as to say hundreds of thousands years old, um, showing the insemination process uh, between sperm and an egg in caves, okay? So again, this is from Preveen. Mohan's uh, YouTube channel, Evidence of Ancient Medical Technology, Are We a Product of Genetic Engineering and DNA Manipulation? Right? Check out this video, family. I mean, he's got everything in here, y'all. Everything from, you know, cloning, all of it. He got everything in here. Okay, so here we go. I just want y'all to see, and um, you can see on the screen here, he's showing... In these ancient caves, where they carved out, that's interesting. Praveen, this looked like a fish to me up on this left-hand side, sweet pea. Mm. I could be wrong, but I'm bringing it up because it reminds me of um, in the Sumerian text, they always talk about the relationship uh, reptile and fish, and um, they were talking about that being used as genetic material, okay? And that's why um, Inky is represented as the fish, 
okay? It actually has double meaning. Uh, one of the meaning is uh, genetics. The other is associated with water, fertility, actually three meanings. And a third meaning uh, related to the age, the Pisces age, that he hit the planet and they started the process of, I call it the colonizing of the planet, uh, but some say setting up the system of the planet and doing this DNA genetic manipulation, okay? So this looks like a fish to me on that side. I'm not for sure. It'll be interesting to, to get your take on it. And if that's the case, that's pretty telling, being in the same proximity as them describing a sperm, i.e. serpent, and an egg. Wow, I just noticed this when I blew this up. Okay, let, so let's see what he just goes over the sperm and an egg. But uh, it may not be in this video. I couldn't find it. But he also has an example of um, two sperms and an egg. All right, but let's just go over this to show you how they knew thousands of years ago the process of creating life. Today, I want to show you some radical, groundbreaking evidences about ancient India and its technology. Here's a carving found in an ancient temple. It shows something mind-boggling, a sperm approaching an ovum just prior to fertilization. But this sounds nonsensical because we know that the human fertilization process was only discovered in the 19th century. But this ancient... So once again, there we go, like missing stuff. It's missing knowledge. Huge gap of missing knowledge. So this Indian temple is thousands of years old. I'm even going to go and say it's hundreds of thousands of years old. And I'm basing that on the Sumerian text. Huh? But if you want to go with the thousands, okay, we can go with the thousands. But yet, they didn't, science, quote, quote, modern day science did not learn about the process of uh, conception until the 19th century. So it's like everything from a knowledge perspective started in the late 1800s, early 1900s. I am, it's more and more to me proving that the mud flood community is correct. Some sort of catastrophe happened that not only wiped out civilizations, plural, across the planet, but also the associated technology, and that technology was hidden, and it started to be reintroduced in the late 1800s, early 1900s, okay? Indian temple was built more than a thousand years ago, so how could they carve a sperm and ovum looking like this? without a microscope. 
Of course, some will argue that this is something else, a snake eating an egg. Some will argue that this is Rahu from Hindu mythology. He is known for eating the sun or moon, causing the eclipse. Quite an interesting story from Hindu texts, except that this explanation conveniently avoids telling you that Rahu is only half snake. His entire upper torso is always shown human-like with full facial features. Here is another carving from another ancient temple. Again, this is clearly a sperm fertilizing an ovum. This is how it originally looked in the last five years, and the temple has decided to paint it recently. <laughs> Sorry it looks like this now. I like the older look. And one detail of this is that you can see that the sperm is smaller and the ovum is larger. If this is a snake, there's no way it can swallow this. If you look at the actual videos of uh, snakes eating eggs, you will not even consider this as a possibility. And this is not even a snake because it doesn't have any head or scales. If you notice Hindu temples, they carve the details perfectly. They carve the scales, they carve tongue, they even carve rows of teeth inside their mouths, which most of us today don't even know they have teeth like this. Okay, so uh, thank you so much again. Um, check out his uh, YouTube channel, Praveen Mohan telling you he has great stuff on he on, on his channel uh this video is called evidence of ancient medical technology are we a product of genetic engineering and dna manipulation watch the vid in its entirety family he has so much stuff in and here uh we went over the artificial womb in here uh we're rounding it off with uh the concept of two a sperm fertilizing one egg, um, but he also goes into cloning, etc. So check out this video, okay? So great work. Thank you so much again, Praveen Mohan, uh, for such great work. So family, we're going to end it here, but wow is all I can say. Uh, we just keep running across evidence over and over and over again that none of these things that they are telling us are breakthrough in medicine, breakthrough in technology. Now we're even down getting confirmation, family, on actual life itself and how thousands of years ago Genetic manipulation, gene slicing was occurring just like they said it was occurring in the Sumerian text. Now these ancient temples are showing details to those processes. Okay? So all of the ancient mythology about multiple creation um, multiple deluges happening to wipe out uh, different species. Hmm. Doesn't seem like this is panning out to be mythology based on the technology that they are introducing to the public. All right.
So uh, I hope that you all got some value out of this. Uh, ooh, child, like I said, my head is swimming. There's so much stuff in here. You can understand where they got it from and where they are actually going with it. Uh, so again, thank you to Praveen Mohan for uh, inspiring this particular uh, podcast. And uh, also thank you uh, to Sis Flame. We were definitely on the same frequency running across this vid at the same time uh, for sending me the video as well. Uh, so with that said, family, this is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. Wish everyone well on this Sunday. Peace and love, family.